0: Oh, a bit of Mark Ledland there, I think that is, Sammy, a little-known country artist. Uh, watch that name for the future Country and Western Music Awards, Mark Ledland. Put it in your hat. Um, right, it is time now for the Enterprise feature interview. Enterprise, the recruitment company improving people's lives for over 50 years. And it is a big welcome in uh, to the man that was behind the 1995 heartbreak at the World Cup rugby final, Joel Stransky, former Springbok First 5'8". Welcome in, Joel. Firstly, how's France been treating you?
1: Well, France did treat me well. Firstly, it's really good to be chatting, but uh, I am home. I'm back in South Africa. Came home after the quarters, so watch the semifinals from my uh, couch at home, biting my nails and <laughs> under en- enormous duress.
0: <laughs> There's a quote that was in the New Zealand papers uh, attributed to you and it said, I will fall over backwards if either South Africa or New Zealand lose. You were teetering, Joel, for a while. I'd already, I'd already planned. I was going to
1: actually you know, plan my fall and, and video <laughs> it and get it on social media. I already thought, well, it's inevitable now that the, the writing's on the wall. Thank goodness the box came to my rescue.
0: Well, they dug deep, didn't they? Um, never looked like... Well, they were never out of it, but England seemed to be in control, but as South Africans do, the spring box found a way.
1: Well, it, it was like a perfect storm against South Africa, wasn't it? It was... I mean, we all said it before the World Cup: a South Africa, New Zealand, Ireland, France, tough pools, massive quarterfinals, get to the semi-final off the back of a huge quarterfinal under pressure. You now you could come unstuck and then for for teams like England and Australia, we thought before the World Cup maybe Wales. You know, we thought sure, but they would go through the pool stages relatively easily. Easier quarterfinal, get up for a semi-final against a team that's tired, battered, and bruised. And they could, with one win, actually one decent one, end up in the final. And it, it nearly came to fruition, didn't it? It was so close to happening. It was that little bit of, well, that a lot of resilience and that proper self belief from the Springboks and maybe some experience and calmness in vital times that somehow you know, got them out of jail there.
0: Before I talk about this week's game, I want to go back to '95, Joe, and, and talk about that World Cup and what it meant to your country and what it meant to you. Like, there's a bit of a parallel here in New Zealand. Stephen Donald, his life changed with a penalty kick in a World Cup final. How much did your life change with a drop goal in a Rugby World Cup final?
1: Well, well I think all our lives changed. You know, it wasn't um, it wasn't so much one one kick or, or or one drop goal for for us. We we, we were a team of you know players who. We done a few tests and we were recently back into international rugby, so it wasn't like we had a huge amount of international experience and and, uh, fame and glamour and all those things. And and next thing, we were propelled into the the limelight and and it it sort of came about for all of us. It wasn't just for one person. So Mm. it did change us. And, you know, the circumstances were a bit different as well. We were a, a country tottering on the edge of uncertainty and all of a sudden sport and Nelson Mandela and his great wisdom Brought this team together and brought, brought a nation together around a team. It was an amazing
0: time. And not, I've never been to South Africa, Joel, but it was probably an example of something that's bigger than sport. Yes, it was a game of sport. Yes, it was a game of rugby. C- can you try and describe to us what a watershed day it was for your nation?
1: Well, firstly, you've got to get on a plane and get here. I mean, that's the first thing. How <laughs> can you stop chatting to me once again and not coming to visit? Um, you know, for for us, it, it was watershed. You know, we we've been through this whole political turmoil. Nelson Mandela was uh, newly elected and first fully democrat. You know, democratic um, president, and he he was this most amazing man, this most wonderful man. And, and, and at the time he used sport, you know, he came and spoke to us. He told us he would get the support of the nation behind us of all South Africans. He used sport to, to bring people together, you know, to, to find a higher, higher power and to, to just create something really special. He was unbelievably wise. And I guess to your point, it is exactly, you know, how, how powerful sport can be when used correctly.
0: And you see people like I, I find Sia Kalisi just so inspirational. Now he would have been I don't know three years old when that when that um, match was played, but something happened in '95 to your country, and it's instilled a real unity that was devoid from South Africa for so long.
1: Well, I, th- I think there's been a number of things. You know, I think um, and, and, and I think like everything, things ebb and flow, and there's waves, and they come and go, and they come back again. We've had good great moments, we've had okay moments, we've had some bad moments. I mean, that's the reality of probably every country in the world. And, and, and every now and then we need an inspirational leader. Madiba was one. We need an inspirational leader who, for whatever reason, sets an example that we can all follow, that we can all admire. And I don't mean some of us, I mean all of us, that we can all follow, that we can all admire and we can all look up to. And Thea is that guy, isn't he? He, he? He's like, in a way, it's quite a simple recipe he's just a really good guy with, with morals who works his socks off and tries to be the best he can possibly be. I mean, that's the guy you want to follow. And he just epitomizes it. And And, that's, and, and he is, I mean, I know him quite well. He's he's the most lovely man, you know. So for us, he's, he's just that guy who's led us for four or five years now. He's led us brilliantly. He's set a great example. He's He's helped a country come together around a a rugby team. I mean, it's it's been a wonderful time for us as a a rugby-playing nation.
0: And when I look at the two nations and when we line up in a big, big match, I look at the South Africans and I look at the All Blacks, and the All Blacks are playing for the jersey and the legacy, but I almost reluctantly admit I feel like South Africa are playing for an even higher power than that, the motivation, the drive of the millions and millions and what it can do for a country. Would you see that as accurate?
1: Uh, maybe to a little extent. I mean, I think the reality is when you are a player playing for your country, it doesn't matter what, what higher power or what, you know, what else you might, you might consider. You run onto that field wearing your black shirt or your green shirt or your white shirt or whatever shirt, your country, you know, whatever country shirt it is. But this weekend you wear the all black jersey or the springbok jersey. You don't take into account all those other things. You play for you, for those, for your soul, your friends around you, your family, and then maybe for everything else. But you never run out there with anything other than wanting to do your best and win for, for every reason. You know. So I think the higher path sometimes can be a little inspiring. Sometimes we look back on it and we, we think maybe we had um, something subconscious or a hidden agenda that gave us something extra. But actually on the day, if you're not inspired to play in a Rugby World Cup final, you probably shouldn't be there in the
0: first place. And also, Joe, when I look at that South African side, they really do define what a 23-man team is. Uh, You see the guys come off the bench and there's no backward step in class. There's no backward step in ability. And I feel like South Africa and New Zealand are the two teams with the deepest squads. Um, It's going to be foot down for 80 minutes.
1: Yeah, and and I, you could probably even go a step further and say the full squad of thirty three because mm. you could probably have you know, most players in that in that squad could be in the starting lineup or on the bench and, and contribute the same sort of massive contribution whether at the start or at the finish, and it will be. You know, both teams have got great starting lineups, um, strong benches. I mean, I think you know we 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 miss Malcolm Marks. So it's just changed the dynamic a little bit, but but it's still a, a great bench. You know, we our guys lovingly call them the bomb squad. They come on and they. They deliver. You know, that front, that front row that comes on oxen chairs just been sensational when when he's come on. So it, it is, it is. And it, it'll be attritional for, for the full 80 minutes. And in fact, maybe even longer, as we saw on on, on the weekend, it can go to 82, 83 minutes before it's decided.
0: Uh, first hour of my show each day Joel is, is a Rugby World Cup highlight hour and we get all the press conferences and things that have happened overnight Russie Erasmus just fills up my show because he's so eloquent, he thinks differently but clearly he he is an absolute wizard of a rugby mind that man. What what do you make yeah. of his impact on the Springbok squad? So so
1: he's been unbelievable hasn't he? Mm. He's um, As you've quite rightly pointed out, he's thinks out the box he thinks differently he is uh, you know he, he looks for ways to do things differently We, I think you know, most people when you look at what we do in life you, you, you consider trying to improve what is done he doesn't look to improve he looks to improve and make it the best it can possibly be but more importantly he looks to do it in a way that is better and uh, sometimes it doesn't work like with all geniuses sometimes it doesn't work but when most of the time it does work, and, and it has been a revelation. And, and you know, we, he is loved and adored in this country. To be fair, he's taken us in 2018 from a, a team that were down and out and rubbish to winning the World Cup 18 months later to quite possibly defending it on the weekend. I mean, it is just an incredible story.
0: So how do these T tea teams line up for, for a massive game? The biggest game every four years is the World Cup final, of course. Um, it's been a checkered 12 months for the All Blacks, um, and a recent loss to South Africa in the, in the warm-up fixture, a, a heavy loss. We also lost yeah, to France. Yeah. We've, we've probably put together yeah. one really good game against a good opponent in Ireland. Can we park all of that and say it's now a toss of a coin?
1: Um, yeah. it's, hard, it's, it's hard to say. So, I was um, Before the quarterfinals, I thought it was really hard to say where New Zealand were because they'd... they'd They'd lost to South Africa in that warm-up game, as you quite rightly point out. They were missing Brady Ritalik and Shannon Frizzell, their two most physical players. They had a player off early and another yellow card. They played with 13 men for a while. It's very hard in that situation to actually assess where a team, a team are. Then they went to Paris and they played against the hosts in the opening game of a Rugby World Cup where that team have been training and practicing and mentally preparing for six years to play that game. It was always gonna be an, you know a massive game and a, and a very tough task. So then to lose those two, were they really, did they become a bad side overnight? Absolutely not. They 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 just bounced back and they've smashed everyone in their way and did what was required. So but we didn't really know. But in that quarterfinal, you know, they were they were just unbelievable. Against Ireland it was a it was a wonderful game of rugby, probably the best game of the tournament and obviously South Africa and France was equally good. But uh, they certainly are in in, in good shape and they will be very hard to beat on the weekend.
0: Who's just something completely out of left field? They'll name the World Rugby Player of the Year and it's usually one of the best performed at at the Rugby World Cup. There's been amazing team performances, but within those teams, there's been some brilliant individuals. If you were on the voting panel, and I don't know if you are, um, albeit we haven't had the final yet, who do you see lined up as as the best player in the tournament so far?
1: Sure, um, it caught me off guard a little bit. That one. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, well, I think there were a few up until Saturday night. From the Springboks, he'd been pre- he'd been pretty good. Mm. I mean, even they had been massive in all the big games. Um, so, so he was definitely, I think, up there. Um, obviously, Anton Dupont will be there because he's been so consistent. And then he was he was unbelievable against the All Blacks. He was good against. The Springboks—they just um, obviously didn't come out on top, and and then of course when you don't play in the semi and the final, you sort of get um you, you out of out of sight, out of mind a, a little bit. Mm. Sure, it's hard to say, and you, you can't help but think it's going to come from one or two of those. But Bundyakiev was unbelievable for Ireland until they got knocked out. Um, sure, there's you know that's it's a toughie, the isn't top of it? my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a tough one. But and then you 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 can look at, I mean, just in that New Zealand side, you can look at guys who've really put their hands up in the last few weeks. Um, Brodie Retallick, Scott Barrett's been unbelievable. Jordy Barrett at twelve has made a great comeback after injury. Talia on the wing has been good, and you, and, you, and you pick out five or six players in the Springbok camp as well um, who, who've been who've been brilliant through the course of the tournament. It's it's, it's such a it's such a hard one, such a hard one.
0: With this World Cup final, um, it can go one of two ways. It can be an incredible battle of attrition and arm wrestle, low scoring. um, And I think if it's it's a bit like that, I feel like South Africa will be dominating um, in the grind. If it can open up and play and be high scoring, I feel like it'll be New Zealand who might be dominating. Which of those two mites of will would prevail in a World Cup final?
1: So so I, I think we saw on on Saturday night with the England game. I think we saw that the the weather conditions play a big role mm. and and I haven't looked at the weather forecast. I think if it's wet and and a little bit miserable, then it becomes a bit of that grind, you know, and the problem for the the Springboks is that I think England showed the recipe in terms of a kicking game on how to just challenge them and how to just frustrate them a little bit and how to get them out of their game and there's no doubt we were off our game the, the guys looked tired, they looked battered from the, the French game um, I, don't, I don't think you ever go in a little bit complacent or, or overconfident but you know, the minds maybe weren't 100% right and, they, and they, they came out of there maybe with a little wake-up call but certainly understanding the grind and it, I think if it's wet and there is a grind they might be a little bit better prepared for it. If it's dry and the All Blacks keep going with their, their handling game and their you know, passing game and most importantly, they start well. Then they'll be very hard to catch. They'll be, you know, we've seen that in the past. If they score a couple early, they they have the the nous and the intelligence and the the game plan to shut teams out. And uh, well, one can only hope that. It, I don't want to say I hope it's wet and raining because it'll make it a dull game. <laughs> but I, hope, I certainly hope it's even and close. You know, going into the last twenty minutes, because then I think the end with a good shot.
0: Talking to Springbok great Joel Stransky. Joel, um, the World Cup as a whole, as an event, as a tournament, they look like they've been wonderful hosts. I think the Irish fans really added to atmospheres right around the whole tournament. But there's always talking points outside it, like the lopsided draw, all the top teams on one side of the draw. The officiatings come under the microscope. Um, But what do you feel post-World Cup final when people reflect back on France 2023, what what's the overall feeling for you as a rugby man? How's this World Cup been?
1: Well, i tell you, as, a, as someone who spent five weeks there, it's been about wine and baguettes. <laughs> 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 um, so I think, to your point, firstly, I mean, the fans, it's not just the Irish fans that were wonderful. I think all the fans have been wonderful. Have you? If I think back on the just the quarterfinal weekend, the Argentinian fans were just sensational. The, the English fans were, were marvellous and singing. The Welsh fans, the way they sung, just incredible. And, you know, I was down in my safe for those two. So um, the, the Fijians, it, it was incredible. And then to see the, the French and you know, how disappointed they were to go out and as you quite rightly point out, the, the Irish fans always had tremendous value. The fans from all over the world were just absolutely amazing. And what I loved as well in the stadiums was every game, every single game that, that I was at, the French crowd at some point in the game stood up and sang La Marseille, Just to remind everyone that it doesn't matter if it was South Africa playing against France or it was the All Blacks playing against Ireland, the French crowds were there supporting all the teams. you know? And it was a wonderful little little moment in every game. So the fans were sensational. I think the refereeing has, has has been okay. I think in the first week maybe there was you know, a whole lot of contentious contentious issues around yellow cards, red cards, and the officiating a little bit. But I think that settled by the second week, and I think since then you know there's not been too much to talk about around the refs. So I, I I won't certainly look back on this World Cup and, and be thinking anything other than the the standard of officiating was was absolutely fine. Um. I, I, I think it, it's the lopsided draw that probably will stand out for, for all of us. The fact that the draw is done so far in advance and that, that you had you know the top four teams, the top five teams in the world all on one side of the draw, it really,
0: it just didn't, it just, from the day
1: that draw
0: came out, it didn't make sense and it's just exactly how it turned out. Mm. Joel Stransky, um, just love chatting to you. My friend over there in South Africa, We, are, I'm sure we're in for some sort of match. No one can sort of predict which one, which way it's going to go, results-wise or even tactically. Um, it's going to be all on for, for love nor money. Uh, South Africa, All Blacks, it doesn't get any better, does it? No,
1: it doesn't get any better. It's, it's the big one, it's the arch rivalry, it's you know, in many ways, we were, it would have been maybe great for the game if it had been a new winner and France Ireland would have been involved. But as someone from the Southern Hemisphere, to play a World Cup final against, you know, the All Blacks is just the most sensational game you can dream of. And we're all looking forward to it in all.
0: Brilliant, Joe. Lovely chatting. Thank you so much.
1: Anytime. Lovely
0: chatting. You guys take care. Have
1: a good day down there.